Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Pierre and I'm joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast where every week we get together, we have watched the film and we talk about it. Uh, it's something from the genre of science and fiction as a but I, would... I believe it's pronounced gender of science fiction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that joke. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we do every week. And coming up this week, we have uh, a movie that's been kind of on the to-do list for a while. It is called The Endless. Uh, it came out in 2017. And we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning in the middle before we go into spoilers. And we'll take it from there. So, yeah, this movie is about two brothers who are actually played by the two directors, the co-directors of the movie. Um, uh, their real names uh, are actually the names in the movie obviously they've got different last names but uh, uh, directors Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson uh, are the co-directors and they play characters named Aaron and Justin and this is kind of a quasi-sequel to another movie which um, and I say quasi because it's like in the same universe as another movie and I read up afterwards after I watched it because I've not seen the other one about how it connects to the other one and it's kind of interesting in a weird little way um so i'll go into that a little bit but uh so they used to be in a, a cult a ufo death cult uh, as it's referred to a couple of times uh somewhere in nowhere california they're in this cult uh, years ago and the people who are there talk about the ascension and all these different things. But we meet up with these brothers. It's been 10 years since they left. They're in their sort of mid to late 20s, maybe just pushing 30 up, you know, at, maybe the older one is. And the younger brother, they're really they're struggling for money. They're really sad. And the younger brother wants to go back to the cult to try and sort of just sort of see how it is, see how people are. Because they get this mysterious videotape of one of them uh, as if they're about to go on their ascension and the older brother's convinced that it's a suicide thing it's like a Kool-Aid suicide pact uh, mm-hmm. because they're using different words for it and all that but you know the younger brother can't rest they're both in therapy uh, we see and they take the drive back to this cult this camp and they go and while they're there uh, we meet the various characters that are there we kind of get a sense of what they're about and kind of the weirder things that start happening. and Because obviously what I'm describing so far doesn't necessarily sound like it's a science fiction movie, but it does go very sci-fi the more it goes. Mm-hmm. And there are things that are unique to this camp and what the people are there experiencing. And uh, I'll leave it there for spoiler's sake and we'll, we'll get into it over time. But uh, so, Tara, did you enjoy The Endless? It's okay. <laughs> hey, that was more. Positive. I don't think it's. I don't think it's bad. You know, it's just, it's not. It's not very engaging to me. Like I don't. There are some parts that are really cool, and I know it's a really low budget, and some of the effects for the budget are pretty impressive, and some of the ideas are really good. Um, it might just be a little bit too. I don't know. Independent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's funny is I was expecting you to be harsher than that because you'd kind of implied to me uh, before we recorded that you weren't so hot on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it's not really one that I'll ever watch again. But like, I really do admire people who make movies, you know. And it's just these two guys, mm-hmm. and they are not Tommy Wiseau. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> I, I think there's almost like a red flag when you see, oh, it's the directors are playing, like, you know, brothers yeah, in the, the movie. Yeah, the directors are playing the main guys, and they also produced and wrote and I think cinematographers and yeah, yeah. editors. Yeah, you know, least... those are always red flags. But I, I think, you know, it's definitely one of the better versions of that I've seen. No, like, they're very... Because it's actually not the first film I've seen by them. I saw a film that they did a few years ago called Spring. We did it on the screens after midnight, uh, mm. me and Tim. And it wasn't a perfect movie. In fact, the, the biggest complaint we had, bizarrely, for a horror movie podcast, it was that the horror stuff was unnecessary and it should have just been everything else that was like in the drama. movie. And it was this romantic <laughs> drama about a guy who meets a, a girl at... Was it, was it in Paris? Oh, well, it wasn't in Paris, but it was in... Was in France? Uh, France or Italy? It was like a, it was like a seaside kind of like town in one of those countries, and mm-hmm. uh, he falls in love, but she's secretly like a, like a not a demon, but like she's like a, a creature as well who comes out at night, and it was, but it was a good love story. It was like a really nice little like moody love story, but the actual horror I parts. See some of the writing in this is pretty good. Like I really like mm. the dialogue in the movie quite a bit um, very natural yeah and I, I really do like them playing brothers together like there there's a lot of just like natural like you said dialogue or banter or you know picking on each other that seems very brotherly like it looked it was good um i oddly enough i think i might have the same complaint though like if you took out the supernatural part of it mm-hmm. the sci-fi part of it it might be a pretty good cult movie. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't actually need the sci-fi part, which is yeah, which is an interesting thing. I, I think is. I don't hate this cult. I hate that they're like hipsters. Oh sure. Oh absolutely yeah. Um, don't be wrong. I, I I do kind of see what you're saying. I think it fits better in this movie than the horror stuff than Spring. Although I think I like Spring as a movie overall more bizarrely mm-hmm. i because i think the sci-fi stuff in this the mythology of it is it's kind of builds upon itself as we learn more and more about it throughout the course of, i'm like there's actually a lot of interesting ideas here that i actually really like um mm-hmm. um i think i probably like it a bit more than you do but i agree it's kind of not like maybe hitting the high mark that it wants to and like but i i do i genuinely feel watching this in between this and spring and i should go back and watch the first movie that kind of falls on this falls on from um in fact, because we see footage multiple times in this movie of uh, the two characters when they were in the cult like 10 years ago, and it looks like, hey, they actually look younger and that's because that was yeah, footage. Yeah, they look very different. It's because it's footage from the first movie uh, where, it wasn't 10 years ago, it was only 5 years ago before this movie was made, but it was footage of them like years ago when they made the first movie. In fact, one of the clips you see of it on like the one of the videotapes wasn't even a scene from the movie, it was like behind the scenes footage like before they shot a scene and oh. but yeah they were you know they were in these white shirts they were playing these characters and um so that's kind of neat um that said though i did think some of the dialogue implied the like because they keep talking about the younger brother just and uh, sorry, aaron's the younger brother they keep talking about the younger brother aaron as if he was a kid and i guess they're trying to like say he was in his maybe late teens <laughs> when they left but it, every time we see him in this footage i'm like yeah he, he still looks like 20 <laughs> like i don't know if i buy that he was a kid <laughs> when they were yeah. here <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't know. He's younger, sure, but he's still a bit too honky looking to be, <laughs> to be, uh, you know. But I mean, he's also on there saying things about the cult that are they know are untrue. So maybe it's like right at the end when they're about to leave, 
take off. Sure. But I guess they said that he left when he was a kid, so I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. I guess it's just one of those well, things they, they did the best they could <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things where they can't really fake it but um but you're right they did look younger i noticed did, that too. yeah um and that that was true and even like the even i think hal the uh sort of leader style dude the, the cult um you see him in the footage as well and he looks younger um oh i didn't even know this like yeah so you see a few of them looking younger and um it's because they were all in this movie and you get the sense because it is such a low budget movie a lot of these like they, they they gave themselves a cameo in that movie and then they had this insane idea to make a whole movie about these characters after you know as if mm. they'd escaped because when you i think in the, the original movie which i'll go get the name of because i keep saying the original movie when it's not because this is not a sequel i, I it's not I said, I, I said it was a quasi sequel it's just part of the same world yeah it was called resolution uh the first first movie um, is um spring also part of it and uh, no at least not i mean maybe the, the, maybe it technically could be but there's nothing in the movie that i think connects mm. it uh in terms of like you know whereas whereas in resolution you have these characters who have a cameo plus um characters that we meet later on are actually the main characters from resolution um but oh. well, I'll, I'll get to that in spoilers because that is deep spoiler stuff um but uh and to their credit uh like this 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 pair that these, these directors their next movie which is already playing at film festivals and is coming out properly next year stars uh anthony mackie so they're you know they're going up in the world hey you know yeah i mean if i were a producer with a bunch of money i'd look at these guys and say hey they got talent see what they can do with a budget yeah the new movie is called synchronic and it stars anthony mackie uh and jimmy dornan it's about two New Orleans paramedics. Couple Sorry? Couple of big names. Sure. Uh, it's about two New Orleans paramedics' lives that are ripped apart after encountering a series of horrific deaths linked to a designer drug with bizarre otherworldly effects. So, Ooh. you know, they're going up in the world, which is cool. Because um, I think when I watched this movie, I kind of, like, what you said about, like, really appreciating people who go out and make movies for next to nothing. Like... Mm-hmm. I appreciate about this that, that about this movie. I kind of say, oh, like it's not quite nailing that like in you know that low budget gem that other films have done. Because I I think one of the things that I think people forget about is that stuff like Halloween was like this dirty little cheap movie that just mm-hmm. happened to be so good that it broke you know through and became this hit. Obviously, the most recent example of that is Paranormal Activity, which was shot for like what 50 grand Pennies. if that like which i know so, <laughs> yeah. to normal people that sounds like a decent amount of money but for a movie that is nothing um yeah they they rented a camera and knew someone with a nice house it's like hey can we use your house for like you know five months to shoot this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, yeah sure <laughs> or maybe what and now five movies later <laughs> yeah and they're, they're doing a, a new one soon uh it was in the news recently because that's coming back for number seven, I think we're on. So. Oh wow. Yeah. I was exciting. still off. <laughs> yep. Uh, and to be fair, I only know how many there is because I reviewed them all. So to, you know. You do have a horror podcast. Yeah, they're nestled in my brain. Uh, but no, when I watch this movie, I, I do feel this kind of respect for the ingenuity of of basically doing all these really big sci-fi ideas on mm-hmm. next to no money and just because i mean this movie's low budget that the resolution movie was like twenty thousand dollars which is mm. not which is nothing for a movie that is absolutely nothing um i thought some of the effects were pretty good for um for the low budget so sure yeah. i mean some of it looked like you know clearly in effect you know fire and stuff like okay that's not real fire but it looks pretty decent for 
the budget that they had. Honestly, the fire you're talking about is the only time it really bothered me because uh, all the other stuff it shows are all kind of like unnatural things anyway, so it didn't necessarily need to look realistic. It just had to look, you know. Yeah. Whereas yeah. fire, obviously, like we, we instantly can tell if fire looks fake. Same with water. Water and fire yeah. are like immediately like, oh, there's something wrong. So there is a pretty good water effect that happens. It's like a overhead shot where you're looking down and you can kind of see something in the water. Oh, sure, but yeah. Oh, but that's, that's, I mean, that's easy. Cool. That's kind of easier to do, though, than like actually having like water splash around at CG kind of thing, you know? Right, yeah. 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 Um, but you know, because because that's just the same as like you could easily just do that in the sky. It's, it's, it'd be the same effect almost. You'd just be recoloring it to make it fit. Um, but no, I no, I agree. Like this, this, you know, ingenuity. I mean, one day we'll do monsters, which is Gareth. Uh, I always mix up the Gareths because there's Gareth Evans and Gareth Edwards, the one that did Godzilla. <laughs> um, uh, he did a movie called Monsters. Edwards, Edwards right? Okay, Gareth Edwards. Um, he. He did a film called Monsters, and it is like a low-budget movie made for next to nothing, and it has really good visual effects in it, and he did them all on his laptop. But you watch that movie, you're like, this is actually really good effects. Like, he spent a lot of yeah. time on this. Um, I thought the cinematography was pretty good in this movie, too, and, and it's done by one of the directors. Because hmm. uh, I thought it looked really good. No, it does. I, it, I do think it's a it's really long. Like, so, uh, yeah, so about some the, of it's pretty tough to get through. The pacing. And there's a lot of new characters that get added halfway through that you're like, do I need all of this? I the, don't know. <laughs> the, the pacing's a bit lackadaisical, but uh, to go back mm-hmm. to your previous point there about cinematography, um, it looks like a movie. And a lot of movies that are made for cheap don't look like movies. They look like shot on video, like mm-hmm. crap. <laughs> Let's call it what it is, a, a lot of them. You know, they, have, they have that look to them, that filter, they have that whatever. This looks like a movie, and I'm sure it's probably shot digitally. I mean, most stuff is nowadays, but like mm-hmm. it's lit properly. It looks like a proper movie, and at no point did I feel like I'm watching someone slumming it. You know, I, I felt like I was watching people who have learned enough to know how to do a movie, and yeah. um, you know, so I respect this a lot more than I probably like it. Me too. <laughs> um, but I like it well enough. Like I, I think there's some good stuff yeah. in here. Um, I, I do almost wish that it, it like it got to its ideas a bit quicker because I felt like the first half of the movie is about really not, it's like everything's so kind of vague and not knowing what's going on and then we get to the second half of the movie it's like here's all these sci-fi things like really in your face and mm-hmm. I felt like there was a bit of a tone shift that didn't quite, you know, I feel like if we actually spent time seeing those sci-fi things in a bit earlier, I think they may have worked better. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. I kind of like, I like the parts where, okay, so they're like a Heaven's Gate type of cult but Mm. maybe like maybe it is real and we don't know but because we get so much supernatural stuff happening it's like okay well clearly there's something going on here and it kind of just takes away the is it or is it not real like there's something real here yeah yeah i i don't know i i but i like i liked more the idea of them being unsure Kind of like that, um, the other low budget movie that I watched. The they look like people, where it was just enough to go, hmm, is there something else bigger happening here, or is it all in their head? Like, I'm, it's just a, or are they crazy? Yeah, <laughs> they don't I mean, come not... off as crazy, but everything they say is crazy. Like, it's 
yeah, yeah, first of all, that's a really good movie. And secondly, that does answer at the very, very, very end. But it's like, the you know, it's the final moment. It's the right. final scene where you do get an answer. But that's okay at that point because it's... But, but I get what you're saying here is that this movie, The Endless, like the first half goes down as it real or isn't it? But then it immediately kind of at the halfway point mm-hmm. says, no, 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 that's real. It's all real. And now we're going to do lots of real crazy stuff. And it feels yeah. like it's two different movies. It feels like... It, it wants to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to have the, the vague, like, ambiguous is it or isn't it real. Mm-hmm. But then it spends a whole second half doing all these crazy sci-fi ideas. And I love all the ideas. I actually think there's a really great kind of um, potential in the mythology. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to say aha moment. What do you think is the aha moment? <laughs> well, there's, there is a line that comes up later on sure. about, like, three-fourths of the way through the film. Where I'm like, oh, that's what this movie's about. Mm. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it was my aha moment. It was your aha moment. You can tell us all about your aha moment. <laughs> and a little I'll probably bit. forget. <laughs> uh, no, I'll remind you. I'll bring it up. <laughs> I'll bring up the aha moment. Um, yeah. Take on me. Take me on. The band was called Aha. For reminding us of the band. Yes. <laughs> Like, like it's become a bit of a running gag here when something reminds me of a song or a band that I, I try and do a bit of singing <laughs> miserably and fail, you know, failing as much as I can. I mean, one of us has to. You're yes. right. Yes. I'm glad you've taken on the responsibility, <laughs> and I'm sure the audience is glad. <laughs> hey, when we did that top 100 movie uh, votes results, uh, you were humming. Oh, I did the, a lot of singing. Yeah, you did a lot of theme tune humming throughout that. <laughs> yep. So a lot uh, of drinking. Yes, yeah, a lot of drinking. <laughs> So, no, I think the two brothers are actually pretty solid. Uh, like they're not like the best actors in the world, but because they're playing very natural, like sort of probably similar to their own characters mm-hmm. kind of roles, and they come across as natural, it feels like it fits the movie quite well. Even though I don't, I don't, I don't like watch these two and think like there's a reason why they didn't also cast themselves in big roles in every other movie they've done and presumably the new movie maybe they'll have cameos with Anthony Mackie but oh they've got Anthony Mackie like they're going to let him yeah, do the like, acting I'm curious to see what they do with someone like Anthony Mackie who's clearly a, a great actor so it, it'd be interesting like it's like when the primer guys get a budget <laughs> like what can they do like the, clearly they have great ideas and mm. you know with with other people who are also great at their part at their roles in a production what can they make with that so well, what's nice to see about these two in terms of like going through their low budget career and kind of like seeing that they have talent they have ideas is that mm-hmm. they've been pretty consistent with their output like the first the resolution was 2012 and then spring was 2014 this was 2017 and then they've got a new movie which it's listed as 2019 but it's really 2020 by the time everyone gets it mm-hmm. but it's a very consistent output it's, it's not like they've been struggling to get their next movie done i mean I'm, don't get me wrong i'm not saying it was easy i'm not saying that they may have actually been struggling to get their food movies funded but in terms of like the outside perspective of watching how often it's taken for them to get their next movie done it feels like the the progression has been quite a natural pace and it feels mm. like, no, their career's got a trajectory. It's, it's going up and they're getting, like you say, bigger and better things. They've got Anthony Mackie in a movie now, so. Big deal. Big deal. And I have to imagine it's their biggest budgeting movie. So. Um, yeah. You know, no question. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Mackie alone probably costs more than the production of this movie. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, Spring, I have to imagine, costs more than this one, though, because Spring had a pretty nice location. Like, you know, they were shooting mm-hmm. in this, this fancy looking town. Uh, that yeah. had some really beautiful visuals. And French cuisine is not cheap. <laughs> but 
Um, whereas this is, you know, it's, it feels low budget because it's all it's all at this camp or it's in the woods or it's, you know, it's all these locations that feel like... In fact, one of the things I read when I was looking up stuff afterwards just to find out about how it connected to the first movie um, is that when they were making Resolution, they actually, the cast and crew all stayed at the camp that the cult stay at in this movie. Oh. <laughs> That's where they were <laughs> staying funny. while they were shooting, so... Um, yeah, that's pretty... So is that a sci-fi movie too? Should we do it? Uh, yes, it is a sci-fi movie. Um, if I, when we get to spoilers, I'll tell you exactly what it what it is, what it's about. Okay. Uh, because it's actually easy to do if you've seen this movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, is there anything else we want to say spoiler-free? Uh, do you want to talk about anything else? Mm, no. No. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, we will give you the spoiler warning from henceforth. However, before we move on to the spoilers, I am going to thank our Patreon producers. So I want to thank David Short, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess for being our Patreon producers for the month of December. Um, thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, and they're, they're that because they're at the $20 or up tier on patreon.com slash TV, which Tara is going to tell you all about right now. <laughs> Yeah, if you are interested in becoming a producer yourself and producing this low-budget content, then uh, <laughs> check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And you don't have to become a producer tier. You can donate as well as $1 and you get bonus episodes of the Ace. So check it out. Yeah, we did Rotor recently. That was November's episode. <laughs> there's, there's a whole back catalog forming of these bonus episodes. So $1 will get you access to all of it. Uh, plus bonus episodes of all this stuff and so on and so on $5 tier gets the voting rights you can vote between 4 movies every month this month's vote's not went up yet at the time of recording although it'll probably be up by the time this goes up but uh, uh, in fact me and Tara are probably going to sit and talk about what the next vote's going to be right after we're done with this because we haven't thought about that yet so I was just thinking the same thing yeah <laughs> uh, so yes uh, so yes uh, full spoilers for for the endless so you know, we made the brawls at the start, um, and I, I like the tone at the start of the movie. It has this kind of like almost primer esque tone, where it's the two brothers, and they're kind of just living their slubby lives, and they get this mysterious tape, and it's not even like a like a VHS. It's uh, like a weird format for like a from a camcorder, because and I, I do like the subtle point that he goes to like a like a flea market and starts like holding the tape against like various devices to see if anything will play it. Yeah, uh, because some of them are really small though. <laughs> Like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, clearly not going to fit that one. But uh, you know, he finds one, he brings it home, and him and his brother, uh, it's, it's Aaron doing all this, and him and Justin watch the tape, and it's uh, Anna, who we're going to meet later, properly. But And she's basically saying, hey, for anyone watching this, like, just know that this is our ascension, and we all did this, you know, willing, and we were all happy, and whatever else she says. And, you know, the tape just kind of ends there. And this is kind of the, obviously, the thing that inspires... Aaron to want to go back and oh he's clearly in love with her as well which is something that kind of sort of comes up throughout the movie or at least if he's not yet as soon as he sees her again he's like whoa mm -hmm. okay this is clearly the woman I had crush on my entire <laughs> life um, which by the way I recognize this woman that's uh, Callie Hernandez who plays Anna I was like I know her face and it was bugging me so obviously as you do you go to IMDB and you click on her name and you're like what has she been in? And she was in two things that I have seen. She was in two things, right? Uh, she was in uh, an episode of Too Old to Die Young, uh, which I, I have seen. Um, 
Actually, she was in three things, sorry, because I, I actually didn't even notice till today on the last time I looked. She was in the new Blair Witch movie from 2016. Right? And then... Yeah, not ringing any bells for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, unfortunately, the most notable thing that I'm... Have you seen this? I can't remember if you've seen this or if you didn't go to see it. What you, is it? Because you hate the previous <laughs> one. But the other thing she was in, this gives me nightmares thinking about it, is Alien Covenant. No, I haven't seen it. No, okay. Well, she's in that. Well, good for her, being in big budget stuff. Yeah, and that was the same year as The Endless, so she was uh, bouncing between, you know, small and big stuff. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Uh, and she's in some stuff coming up. She's in a movie called Avalanche. Is that, is, that a, is that a movie about an avalanche? Is that a disaster movie? I hope it is. Does it start doing The Rock Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> Saving pretty girls from avalanches? I don't know. In a small town in Texas. I don't think it, you get avalanches in Texas, but I'll continue. An annual endurance contest to win a pickup truck promises thrilling entertainment to spectators and the chance of a lifetime to participate. Is it like where people put the hands on the car and they have to the the person the last person who like to faint is the one who gets the truck? It just says it ends in real tragedy. What's the real tragedy? I don't know. Nobody gets the truck. I've I mean correct me if I'm wrong here, like but if like if it's not snow then it's just a rock slide, right? Like it has to be snow to be an avalanche. Yeah. Yeah, so because we also have mudslides and rock yeah. slides. Yeah. So, okay, so I have to imagine they use avalanche as a a metaphorical title. Mm. Anyway, we're not here to talk about avalanche. <laughs> avalanche. <laughs> All right. So, uh, there's actually like a lot of little things the theme here for the first like ten minutes where we cut to them like being like in therapy. And they're like talking to a therapist. We, we never see. We just hear them. We just see them talking to someone. Um, we also have them goofing each other, or goofing off like brothers. Uh, and Aaron's cutting Justin's hair, and he gets he gets an idea at one point to be a bit of a prank, a prankster. So he just like shaves a big sort of bit in the middle of his head, like a reverse mohawk. Yeah, and runs out the room, and then it cuts to Justin's bit sitting in front of the camera for the interview or the, the therapist and he's just got this like sort of flat bit <laughs> in the middle of his hair I know why wouldn't he just fix it uh, <laughs> yeah just just pick up the clipper and do the rest it may be a bit rough because you're doing it yourself but it'll be better than leaving it like that <laughs> wear a hat <laughs> yeah wear a hat yeah um, maybe maybe he was wearing a hat but he took it off to show the therapist look at what this, this dick done to me look at it yeah I mean, he does say like it was a bit of a, it was just a joke, and he he knows it or whatever. But he's also like upset about things, and I think it's it's some kind of a. I don't think it's a therapist. I think it's like a like a like a group meeting. Oh sure. I think he says in a, there's a line of dialogue where he says he's going to like ex cult. Um, session or something i don't remember yeah they never they never show you anything though it's just on them every time it comes to one of these scenes at the start of the movie it's just them and nothing else mm -hmm. uh so yeah and you know aaron wants to go back and justin's not really feeling it but he, he's going to do it for his brother um but there's, there's a lot of like things here he, he doesn't let you know aaron drive he doesn't let aaron you know he's mad at him for spending money on a camcorder so that he could watch the tape you know he's constantly right. well he was supposed he kept telling him to buy a new car battery mm. and instead he spent the money on a tape thing for the cult which they escaped from so like 
he's pissed off about that. But yeah, he doesn't let Aaron do anything. Yeah. Which is also one of the main points of the movie is that the movie's really about their relationship. It's about them and getting over the trauma of their past. Because, you know, the, the, their parents died when they were kids. Uh, we, they, they kind of visit the site of the accident on the way mm-hmm. to the cult. Uh, and the cult took them in and that's why they ended up there. And... You know, which begs the question, can they become legal guardians for kids? Like, you know, do they just put in some paperwork and social services won't take them away? Like, I don't know. Or just, or just they just don't tell anyone, never know. So by, by the time it was like, you know, they were out like campaigning for the cult, they were already old enough that it didn't really matter anymore. They were already adults. Yeah. And they didn't have any paperwork because they were in a cult. Yeah. I mean, maybe, who knows? Yeah, so... Um, you know they, they they go and they they get there and there's there's a, there's a couple of weird times like shitty Carl this angry guy kind of walks past them just kind of mouthing off and it's like okay that's like a hint disappears for later. into dust yeah well you don't see that the first time do you when they first mm-hmm. arrive there maybe not maybe not maybe that's later because that's a bit oh I think that's when um when um Justin is like going for a jog or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that's a bit overt at that point. This, this point in the movie that you know, it's like, at this point, it's still like, oh, nothing's here. You know, because this is the thing we should explain that Justin is, you know, told Aaron repeatedly that it's not only a death cult, but they're all castrated. Uh, well, the men yeah. are all castrated. You can't castrate a woman, but <laughs> um, like, it's not a place you want to be. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's, you know, they they. He thinks that if they haven't, I think the reason Justin agrees to go is because of the tape says, oh, I guess they didn't die because we escaped presumably right before they were going on their ascension. Um, but be- the tape says, oh, no, they're still alive. So and that's why we- they didn't kill themselves. So I guess maybe it is safe to go back just so he can have some closure. Yeah. And this is why we know it's been 10 years because the, the ascension happens every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the- well, we don't know that yet, though. We don't know that yet, but I mean, just in the context of the whole movie, we know it's 10 years. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, we're building up to the ascension, which is going to happen uh, towards the end of the film. Uh, there are a few I like years the, away. I like the banner, like, between the two of them on, like, the drive and stuff. Mm. To, I don't know, they really do come off as brothers. They're probably just really close friends because they make movies together, but, you know, they do the boobs thing for the. <laughs> Like the silos that they see. Do you know that made me laugh because I'm pretty sure when I was younger I drove past yeah, something like that and I, and I said the same thing. Yeah. Um, With boobs. Yeah, boobs. Well, there's always two. If they don't want people to call them boobs, don't make two. <laughs> <laughs> have three. Have one. Yeah, it made me laugh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they get there and you know people seem very friendly and you know we meet Hal and we meet Anna and everyone you know and they all look very healthy and you know. Justin's like, this is weird. Y'all look good. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, fresh air, yeah. good food, clean, clean living, clean diet. And like, mm, you guys do nothing but drink beer and like smoke marijuana and <laughs> like, can't be that clean. Well, this is the thing. Like, I don't think it's clear to us when they first meet them. You know, obviously Justin's really kind of in shock about how good they look. It's not until they're in the little room in their own where he says. This is weird. Like these people are all like, because Aaron's like saying, "Oh, you know, uh, Anna's like, you know, really nice," and like, he's, he's saying something about Anna, mm-hmm. and Justin's like, "Hey, you know, she's like, you know, twenty years older than you, right?" And he's like, "What? No way. She doesn't look that old." He's like, "Yeah, these people are all in their forties because they were all like thirty when we left." Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and she 
makes a comment about like how she makes clothes for everybody. And she's like, remember when I used to make clothes for you when you were just a little guy? Like, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> it's a lot of weird because there's clearly flirtations it's happening. Yes, definitely a lot of flirting. Yes, uh, but they're in a cult, so I mean, you know, it's uh, hey, uh, they're both adults. Go for it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah and you know they, they join in in the you know lunch and like you know campfire stories and um you know we see that justin is very anti kind of like agreeing with that you know there's, there's various points where you know, like at one point like aaron says to him something about the camp and he says like you know thanks for you know coming back here this is this is good for me and Ar justin says oh well I'm just glad you get to see how crazy it all is, and you know it's like, well, really, nothing so far has been that crazy. Like they're just they're, everyone they're, seems really happy. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're a bunch of hipster douchebags, but like so far, there's been oh my no. God, they're so hipster. It's such a hipster cult. Of course, they brew beer. <laughs> there's no death cult stuff yet, which is which is also how they're, they're making money and how they they can afford to like live. They they export their beer. That's that's what they do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so. We we have all these little bits. Uh, Justin's like determined not to like you know give in to it. Like you know the there's this one guy who's in the cult who is doing magic tricks. There's like a card trick with him, and even though we see the card and he gets the right card after his trick, uh, Justin says no, that's not the right one because he always wants them to think he's failed. So the guy's like, oh, I've got another trick then. And he does this thing where he throws a baseball into the air and it just it doesn't come back down. And he grabs Justin's hand. He's like, no, come on, come on. And he like sort of flips it over so it's like sort of you know, open upwards, and then the ball lands in his hand. And Justin's like, quite rightly, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> How could you do that? <laughs> that's impossible. Yeah, that was a good what the hell moment. Yeah. But Have you got a drone up there that's like... Is it to... ever possible to make a magician look cool? <laughs> Not in a movie, because he, well, here's the thing. Here's my problem with magicians in movies, right? Because <laughs> um, I, I... Did you ever see that movie come out a few years ago called Now, now You See Me? No. Right. Well, don't. It's, it's, it's about magicians. Yeah, it's super mediocre. Right. It's by the way. Can I just one side little complaint here is that they made a sequel to that movie for some reason, but they didn't call it "Now You Don't." They called it "Now You See Me Too." You make a movie called <laughs> "Now You See Me" and you do a sequel. You call the sequel "Now You Don't." <laughs> you fools! You absolute fools! Anyway, so. That movie is about all these magicians. It's got an impressive cast. It's got Mark Ruffalo and it's got um, uh, Lizzie Kaplan is in there. Woody Harrelson. You know, it's got this all-star cast of people, and they're they're magicians and they're pulling off this big heist using their magic tricks and and whatever, and they do all these things that are supposed to be impressive and they use their magic tricks to trick people. And the problem with magic tricks in movies is that the reason why a magic trick is impressive is because a magician, even though you know it's a trick will do it in front of you and it's impressive mm -hmm. that they're able to hide it and make it look like it is some sort of trick or an illusion right and make it look like it's impressive it's not impressive in a movie because movie making inherently is a magic trick because it's editing it's visual effects it's it's doing things that is pointing the camera in the right direction not to see the light rig that's off to the side a movie yeah. the whole point of a movie is to craft it to give it a, a specific look a feel and appearance it's a magic trick already. So doing a magic trick within a movie, it's like, well, it's not impressive because you're just editing around the, the, the fake part. Like, you're not hiding anything because you're just hiding it the way you hide everything else. So it's not impressive. <laughs> anyway. So now. Yeah, did that make did that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Good. 
happens. So no, it is not possible. <laughs> yeah. So when Tara was watching this movie, I, I got a random message uh, saying, this tug of war better pay off. So why don't you explain the tug of war scene? Okay, so they're all drinking beer around a campfire and then the cult leader is really excited because there's it's time for tug of war against the sky. Um, yeah, this is super surreal. They because call it the struggle. Because there's like a rope that just goes into darkness. You don't see where it goes. It just kind of goes up. It's almost as if it's like at the top of a tree or something like that, but it just kind of... Right. Yeah. So Yeah, so he takes a turn of grabbing the rope, pulling on it, something's on the other side but we can't see it mm-hmm. um it lifts pretty high up in the sky like uh maybe about 30 feet maybe less i'm not sure and uh i guess he wins because the rope gives way it takes two tries though because this is aaron we're talking about aaron tries pulling it well this is the cult leader and then aaron does it oh sure yeah the cult leader does it first and then aaron does it he did, the first time he fails and he says, can I do it again? He's like, yeah, we never give up. Go for it. And he sort of like ties like a knot in a loop so that he can put it around his waist and he does it that way. Right. Because they're telling, like they told him before, like, oh, didn't you used to like to fish? And he's like, yeah, but I don't think I remember how to even tie a fisherman's knot or something. But he makes a fisherman's knot in order to defeat whatever's on the other side of the rope. And it's supposed to be a metaphor for overcoming obstacles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it the struggle. I well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a metaphor, but I, I think specifically in the case of Aaron, it's about this thing wanting them to like remember the the things that yeah. he liked when he was here. It's it's about him becoming the the cult version of Aaron again, I guess. Well, but. yeah. And plus, you know, his brother does it next, and he immediately fails at it and gives up on it and, and hurts like, himself. Stupid! I hate this. And that's more like well. Yeah, so here's, like, his brother is always talking down to him and telling him he can't do stuff or not without his permission or what whatever, like, hold, putting, holding him back. And now, all of a sudden, they're in a place where where Aaron is happy to be, is, is in a place now where he's a bit better than Justin or at least good at something and remembering the things that he used to like because his life was shitty outside of the cult. And so it's, it's very much a, oh, he's getting recruited back in moment. <laughs> Justin does it. He gets his hand cut. He's, the rope kind of slices his hand when it sort of pulls out. And there's this other girl at the camp um, named Lizzie, who, who we do see briefly before. We see her like do like a like a painting or something like that. She she draws things, and she she's the one who's sort of helping like sort of patch him up. She's got you know, bandage or bandaid or whatever, and she's you know scene to him and Hal's sort of standing over at the door and this is kind of a weird scene and there's a reason why I'm describing this so in depth is because Hal's over at the door and he's like oh sorry man it's a metaphor you're not supposed to get hurt I, I'm really sorry that happened and he's like That's, you know whatever you know and, and don't worry Justin the way he interacts with these people is always very mm-hmm. kind of awkward and it's like he's always kind of judging them even though he's trying to pretend to be nice but you know he always thinks right. they're a bunch of nut jobs and there's a weird thing where after Lizzie like puts the band-aid on, she kinda sort of sits there and stares at him. And Hal says something really weird, like, you know, yeah, you two have fun. And he just stays there. He doesn't move. And Lizzie's just kinda looking at him with the, you know, the the, the doomy eyes. And Justin's just like, you know, 
I'm getting tired. I'm going to go to bed. You guys, you guys have a good night. <laughs> it just kind of like nopes out of there. Um, but you know, <laughs> I sympathize. Is this with the same time that uh, the other girl is hitting on Aaron? It probably is. Yeah, it's probably when Anna's like saying, "Hey, do you want to come to my room and show see my new designs for my?" Oh yeah. For for the clothes that I He's make. He's like, you get paid to do these, and she's like, "What? Being alone in a room with you?" Oh, just kidding. It <laughs> <laughs> was a nice piece of awkward writing. Like, oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially since I feel like that's a joke that the person who's uncomfortable makes, and she's the one who feels that like she's not uncomfortable. She's the one who feels that like she's in control. Yeah. Well, I think they both admitted on the drive there that neither of them have been successful with girls at all. Like, neither of them have slept with a girl or had a girlfriend and so they're all still pretty innocent when it comes to this stuff they just have so much trauma from their past that they're working through that girls have been you know a difficult thing for them to move on there was a story how they picked up a couple of girls once at something um and for some reason justin mentioned they used to be in a death cult and of course the <laughs> girls ran for the hills because why wouldn't they um yeah. pretty normal thing to do uh, but i should also mention at this point we're still on this at least i'm not i didn't necessarily believe him but like the the two brothers at this point uh are still well i say the two obviously justin always knew he was kind of making it up but like aaron's still under the impression right now that they're all castrated and I was kind of, yeah. I was kind of joking to myself that this is why the girls are so horny. It's because all the guys don't have dicks. So there's like two, <laughs> two new guys are in the cams. Like, oh, quick, quick, pounce on them before they take it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because I was also saying, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't Aaron think to himself, it's kind of weird how horny everyone is when apparently, according to my brother, they're all getting their dicks cut off. Like that doesn't seem like the sort of thing you do when you're horny. Right. You know? Right. Um, just... Is castration the loss of the of the dong, which we agreed is twenty percent funnier than any other word for penis? Uh... <laughs> but castration isn't that just the testicles? No, I thought it was a dick. Especially so, because I mean, the movie even later on, uh, uh, when Hal gets mad and he's talking about the reputation they've got because of what what Justin said to the media. He says everyone thinks we're dickless. So even in the movie, the, the reference that it's, it's, it's referred to the dongs, dongless, he should have said. But he was Maybe angry. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't going for um, he wasn't going for humor, as you see, so he didn't say dong. He said dickless. He wanted to be mm-hmm. serious. He wanted to be taken seriously in the moment. And if he said dongless, <laughs> he wouldn't be taken seriously. So yeah, um, he, he's back in... But they wake up the next morning, and there's a, cu- a couple of lines about, like, oh, uh, like, oh yeah, Anna was showing me her stuff and the idea of the um and again this they sound like 12 year olds almost for a minute here when he's like oh hey did did you like sleep together or something and he's like no 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 um like but there was a there was a moment she looked at me i thought she might like wanted to hold hands or something it's kind of <laughs> sweet yeah and i'm like this is weird dialogue for someone who's like 26 but you know whatever yeah um so you know uh, i should have used the phrase sleeping together because there was actually a very specific conversation later about sleeping mm-hmm. together which was really sort of showed how innocent that, that aaron was because mm-hmm. um so so later on a second like night of drinking at the, the, the bonfire uh like they ended up uh, in fact it's actually later on it's after aaron set or justin separated from him and he's kind of stormed off and he's, he's there for a night without aaron and justin actually sleeps in the same room as anna 
And when Justin and Aaron are reunited later, and I'm just saying this now because it's relevant, it doesn't really tie into yeah. the plot. Um, he says, oh, we slept together, and, like, Aaron really awkwardly goes, oh, congratulations. <laughs> and then they keep talking. I've never done that before. <laughs> yeah, and he keeps, they, keep, they keep talking for, like, a, a minute, and then eventually realizes, wait a minute, you had sex, right? He's like, no, I didn't say that. He's like, you said you slept together. He's like, yeah, we slept, we slept together, we slept in the same bed together. It's like, this is where stuff starts getting a little bit weird. There's kind of like these things where they're hanging out and they're shooting guns out, like at the range. And there's like a weird moment where like one of the bullets that, that Justin shoots kind of like doesn't like go all the way and then he picks it up in the ground. It's like it hits something, but there was nothing there. Um, and then there's all little tidbits. And it's when he's out for a run later on that. The first, like, proper, like, supernatural thing really happens where there's, like, a flash of light and, like, a Polaroid kind of, like, lands next to him. It was like the, like the, like the sun became a light bulb that was, like, suddenly turned off. Yeah. Um, or, like, needed to be changed. <laughs> and and the, the this Polaroid lands and it's of, like, uh, like, I can't remember what the photo was actually of, but it, it indicated that there was something uh, in the middle lake. It was the buoy, right? So there was something in the lake, right? And he shows this to to Hal, you know, the the, the, the kind of leader. I say kind of because he insists later on that there is no leader, but he comes across to us as the leader. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, I mean, it just is showing you something that it wants you to see. Maybe there's something there for you. And, you know, obviously Justin's getting weirded out by this. And uh, later on, they're actually in the lake. Uh, they're fishing. Um which again, going back to you know, Aaron likes fishing and like maybe he's doing this for him. It's kind of a sweet thing, but he gets frustrated like halfway through and like takes off his shirt and his pants and he's like, "I'm diving in," and he dives in. This is where we get this big aerial well, shot. Well, he dives in because he sees the buoy from the picture. Yeah, um, but this is where we get the aerial shot that you mentioned earlier, where you can kind of almost see the shape of something in the water as he's diving it's like down. Like an ink blot. Yeah, it's almost like a big butterfly uh, yeah. in the water. But uh, he goes in and he comes out with a lockbox and in the lockbox is a tape uh, another uh, video cassette and you know everyone's kind of like cheering about this and they're like oh this is great let's watch it together and they're, they're in the mess hall and like, they put this tape on and like it's footage of them like kind of promoting the, the, the cult you know and handing out leaflets and saying what the cult's about and their white shirts from years ago and it's them saying they're devoted and the, the, like how how much the the cult means to them, and then it like just kind of freezes at the end of that. And it's this really awkward moment because they these are the two that betrayed them. These are the two that that ran away. And I guess it becomes this really awkward moment where he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, guys. That, those aren't supposed to be embarrassing, but for some reason, it wanted to show you that. It wanted to remind you of this. And this is what leads to the big fight halfway throughout the movie, where Aaron and Justin, Justin storms out. Aaron runs out after him. Hal goes out after him. And this is where, even though Hal keeps trying to be nice and keeps trying to say you're welcome here, and there's a place for both of you here, Justin can't let things lie. Um, this is where it comes out that he lied and made up the stuff about castration and just to kind of assume death. He basically just made it more demonic sounding so that so that Aaron would run away with him and that he would rescue him and take him away. Mm-hmm. And I think he really did believe that the ascension meant death. Yeah, and and kind of a way it does, but obviously we'll get mm-hmm. to exactly what it means later. But uh, this is where Hal actually loses his temper and gets really emotional and says, "You know, you you like you know betrayed us, but you also kind of ruined everything. Like you you like we whenever we like try and do business, you know, our livelihood is selling this beer that we make, and that's how we like survive. 
and yeah. almost anyone now when they like we try and like get a new client who to buy our beer they can google us and very quickly f- see an article about how we're a bunch of dickless death cult worshippers and yeah. how that affects our image like heaven's gate knockoff or something yeah and it kind of makes you sympathize with them a little bit we're like yeah you kind of like just threw them all under a bus based on some assumptions when mm-hmm. like did you have any real reason to say this you kind of you know jumped this it's true i wasn't expecting to have any kind of empathy for this character but it, it works well in the scene yeah um so justin goes to the car and it doesn't start because uh, it's, it's established earlier and the reason why they need a new battery is because aaron has a habit of uh leaving uh what was it left on some lights yeah some of the lights um so the car won't start and he has to like storm off and this is where the movie gets into the proper sci-fi stuff because he runs into the the shitty carol character in his cabin <laughs> and when the guy opens the door there's another version of himself hanging there uh you know via noose and he remembers carl too from from his time in the cult yes and shitty carl as i understand it is referenced in uh the first movie but you know you don't see him in the first movie but he's referenced in it um Mm. and it becomes clear that he you know he's living in some kind of a loop um you know that's kind of this is kind of the first real big thing that we see i mean there are some other weird things like there's a moment i think this night or maybe the night before where anna takes uh, Aaron out to like this weird edge of what later on we be- it becomes clear there's like, there's like bubbles in this area uh, the camp maybe being the biggest one but she takes him to the wall of this bubble and you kind of see this weird reflection sort of going down mm-hmm. the side of this bubble um, he asks if you can go through it and she doesn't really answer yeah and you kind of can but there's rules and there's like a weirdness to it um, it sounds like some like maybe they can but Aaron and Justin still can um, yeah I think people who are who I think people we meet are trapped in there. Yes. Find out why. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, this is where we get to the mythology of it, which I, I guess I'll kind of explain now and then go through the, the, each of the the meetings we have with various people. But yeah, Shitty Carl explains it, so we're already there. Yeah. So basically, this area maybe because there was a UFO that landed, or because an alien landed here. You know, it's it's kind of vague as to what the reason what is, but something in this area, this this piece of land. Uh, has created a series of time bubbles where time loops and the biggest one is the camp which does loop every 10 years so it's a really long loop you know they stay there for 10 years the ascension happens and that's why they're all still the same age is because it kind of loops back and they remember everything like it's not like they're forgetting stuff that was in the the, the previous loop but they, they go essentially go back in time 10 years and start the loop over again um and as what it is and the people in the other loops seem to want to kill themselves before the loop ends because they don't want to be go through the ascension process. Whereas uh, the people in the camp see it as like an honor and they kind of like you know go in a circle and prepare for it and yeah, they really it. do worship it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like an eternal life. Yeah, um, and then everyone and else doesn't. This is a good loop, especially when you're their age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten years is a good loop if you're going to be there, sort of from. I don't know. I mean, they're they're ending at about maybe their early thirties, so they're going from what their early twenties to their early thirties. I mean, that's a decent enough place to loop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm still in that category. Yep. <laughs> 
we have all these bubbles of time, but they all have different loops, right? So we run to places where uh, Shitty Carl's is three hours, uh, we find out. Uh, there's one really specific one in a tent, and it's someone from, like, World War One or something like that. I don't know, it's like an, an old soldier um, in this little combat tent, and the loop is literally, like, ten, maybe even less than ten seconds. It's like, like three seconds, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's uh, you know, he gets up, he runs for the door, he's trying to escape, and he just keeps, like, snapping back to the chair. Um, over and over again and there's like a clock outside the little tent um showing the clock you know it keeps going back just you know every mm-hmm. time it goes you know it just keeps doing it um, there's like a some kind of musical note that keeps going up it's stuck on a loop also oh yeah he's got like a record player in there that's is like cycling back every time as well yeah and he has the same motion where he's always like getting up from the chair and running and I guess presumably he's been stuck in this three-second loop for like a century. Yeah, because he, he he keeps looking. Um, because when one of our characters is outside the little like window in the tent, he does look at them. He sort of acknowledges their existence. He can see people. He looks like he's in pain. Yeah, um, yeah. He's always probably miserable. He's been running to to this endless door. He's like, I guess you know this idea that this character's stuck and. In, in an endless war or something i don't know <laughs> like I, I'm, maybe i'm jumping something there but you know i mean other characters of course we'll get we'll get to mike and and and, and chris of course and the, the, the tease for them of course earlier on with the the blonde woman the wife uh we'll talk about her but um like we, we get all this thing and we get the sense that anyone who's stuck in the loop and my understanding of it is that once you go through the process of going through the end of the loop you're stuck there forever and yeah, you can never that's leave what it. I, my understanding was yeah. too, because they kept trying to get the kids to escape. I wasn't wasn't a shitty Carl who admitted like he was the one who said, "I told you to leave. Why'd you come back?" Like, because you don't want to be here during the ascension. And I guess the sign of the ascension is when there's three moons in the sky. We see there's two, yeah, and about to be a third. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, all, all this stuff was really interesting mythology-wise. I mean, like I say, it's a kind of a weird shift in the movie where before it was, like, really kind of vague and ambiguous and then all of a sudden we've got all these weird time loop bubbles. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I, I, you know, I liked it kind of unveiling this. I liked the shot eventually where you see, like, all the bubbles where the camera sort of pans out and you see, like, all these bubbles just kind of mm-hmm. glistening in the light. Uh, and that looked pretty good. And we have this weird thing where, like, like navigation is very wonky you know carl gives a gives justin like a, a compass. compass and he's like don't trust what you see only trust the compass and he draws him a little map to get to this other bubble and um and as an interesting question there's how he knows how to get to the other bubble when he can't leave his bubble like there's a, there's a bit of interest there uh, i'm not gonna say it's a mistake or a plot hole but i'm just curious as to how but um he you know he wants a gun and he says go to mike or go to Chris. Chris will get me. A, will give me a gun. So if you if you bring me back a gun, um, I will tell you how to get back to camp so you can find your brother. And mm-hmm. he's a lot of really weird moments here. He's, he's very shitty, as the name implies, and angry. But he also like gets really emotional I, at the end, and is, he's, he sits on a bike and just cries for like the, the end of the scene. Is Justin not in in shitty Carl's bubble when his this loop repeats like? Is that a plot hole? No, I don't think he is. Okay. Well, it depends. Like, because where where is it? Because he finds the body in the thing, but like I, I don't. Maybe, 
I don't know. Because in the next tent also, or tent, the the cabin that he goes to with the other two guys, there's, he also watches them go through their version of the Ascension. Maybe. Or maybe it's because they kill themselves instead of, because Shitty Carl kills himself and then he gets on a, his cycle starts over. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah, it's not the actual ascension that's happening for them. They're just killing themselves before they get to it. But yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the ascension doesn't even happen in their bubbles because they're killing themselves before it happens. You know. So that's the that's the way they escape. Because when they go to the other cabin, they also end up killing themselves instead of waiting for the ascension. Or their version of the ascension, whatever it is. Yeah, well, yeah, like yeah, they they reset, like they're killing themselves before it happens, mm-hmm. presumably because it's less painful. As much as as hard as that is to believe. Yeah, well, maybe that's like our headcanon way of saying that's how, that's that's how Justin's able to get out, or not be stuck in their loop now that he's in there. Maybe you have to. I don't know. Maybe it's a ritual. I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing: the, the the entity that's doing this to everything, right? The entity that's controlling all this stuff is mm-hmm. clearly luring them in and giving them photos. Because you know, obviously, uh, both Aaron and Justin get photos and like clues and hints mm-hmm. of where to go and how to stay and all that, right? Maybe it's maybe that kind of claims people for the loops. Maybe it's not just a case of being there, but it actually wants them to be in the main loop at the cabins, you know, at the the camp. You know, mm. maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's just like, no, it's claimed them for that one so they can't get stuck in the other ones because they don't belong yeah, to those maybe. Um, maybe there's it's all in control by the one entity and it makes up all the rules. Because so. there, is, there is a level of sentience of guidance happening from this thing. You know, it, it is yeah. directing them in places. So, um, And there is like weird monoliths that are scattered around. And I like that kind of stuff. This idea that previous like people who have like, worshipped it have built these monoliths of like this, you know, a skull head and this dragon mm-hmm. that's some, you know, like there's all, all these various like things they find. And I like the idea of this mythology of them navigating between the bubbles and like that time and like distance and navigation don't quite work the way they're, they're supposed to. I kind of like almost like a science fiction version of Blair Witch. <laughs> like instead of like witchcraft <laughs> stuff, it's like this weird sci-fi anomaly stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love the idea of an alien being on Earth just to, just to like mess with people. Well, here's <laughs> for the question: entertainment. I I find that kind of lazy. Yeah, but we don't really know that's what it is, though. I mean, that's just them assuming it. Like they're they're theorizing, and we're just kind of taking it because we don't have anything else to go on. Yeah, maybe. Like at the maybe, very least, maybe it's something else. The, the only thing I, I don't know, like I, that works in like a horror movie with a demon or whatever, who or a ghost that's trying to, you know, make somebody scared. But uh, this an alien just to. I don't know. Just the, to observe. Tara, the only thing we actually know about anything here is that different people have worshipped whatever this thing is and have applied their own beliefs to it. We, they don't know mm-hmm. anything. They know there's something. There's obviously totally some kind of entity. Is it some paranormal thing? Is it an alien? Is it like I don't know? Is it God? Is it is it, is it God's <laughs> shitty son having a bit of a laugh with like this area? Like like we don't Danny really. Jesus. We, we don't have a whole lot to go on like it's intentionally very vague and i'm actually okay with that i actually kind of think it, it works better with the mystery element 
um, mm. as opposed to like, giving it some sort of clear answer. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I just assumed it was alien because we were watching a science fiction film. But maybe it is. Maybe it is something else. But maybe, maybe I mean, you. I mean, I guess the only maybe thing... Maybe it's that... a side effect of their version of their engine for, I don't know, space travel. Uh, creates these time bubbles or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, what I was going to say is that how do you know it's, it's doing it for amusement? Like, maybe... Well, because the character brings it up. I don't remember which one. Probably Shitty Carl. Okay, I can't... I can't I, I maybe can't, I just like seeing the name Shitty but, Carl. But again, like, that's him theorizing. He doesn't know. He's just... Yeah. He, he's, he's reading it that way, where, like, it, it could be something that... Like maybe maybe it, like I think maybe even even suggested maybe it needs to feed on people and to do that it needs to have them trapped like this so maybe yeah, maybe it's like more of a necessity rather than like oh I want to mess with people and maybe the reason why it wants to lure it does in... seem like it's messing with people though with the photographs and the the videos well yeah but maybe, maybe yeah, but this is all a thing to lure them in though maybe the reason why it wants to lure these people in is because it maybe there's specific people who have more of whatever it wants you know and why but... try to scare them with what was it try to scare them with. Uh, when when like Justin is doing his little run or whatever, and like the trailer like bobs up and down, you're like, which was a really cool scene, and then you can mm. see in the background a tree falls. Yeah, like he's getting spooked. I don't know to show its power, to show its. And he dives into the water, and he gets scared by what he sees down there. To show him that he's his boss and that he should work, you know, fear it. <laughs> so that it, you know, because I mean, hell, I mean, what what is a god if not something that many people fear and they, they do everything out of fear because they think that they'll not get into heaven at the end. You know, the vengeful god, like that's a thing. It, maybe this will work. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I think it's intentionally very vague, obviously, but like I don't. And I'm not saying it works perfectly, and I'm not saying that like I don't think there's a better movie to be made out of some of this mythology, but I do think that the core like science fiction mythology of the time bubbles and the weird like getting to and from between them mm-hmm. is actually very interesting, and I kind of like those ideas. I don't know if it necessarily makes a compelling movie as a whole the way it is, but the ideas of what's happening in these all these weird time bubbles I actually really like. Yeah. So... Um, and you know, and eventually, like, Aaron makes the choice to try and go and find his brother because he he gets a photograph as well, um, of the trailer that he's eventually going to meet him at. So he goes searching, and the idea being that if he gets back with his brother, Hal's like, hey, if you get back, then it's time. And we get the sense that everyone at the the, the cult, even though they do worship this thing, they're all kind of nervous now. Like, there's kind of a weird somber tone, like right before the ascension, mm-hmm. presumably because it does hurt or because it is a very scary experience. Uh, you know, whatever it is, but um, Aaron goes searching, and it's during this time that uh, Justin ends up at the house with Mike and, and Chris, and at this point we should go back and mention the blonde woman who was mm. at the camp, who didn't seem like she was part of the camp, she was kind of miserable and was complaining about the noise and left notes everywhere, and uh, you know, Aaron, or Justin, sorry, does kind of try and hit on well, it, it, he says he's not, I'm I kind of believe him. I almost get the sense that he's just t- trying to talk to someone who, like, isn't one of these weird hippies. <laughs> right, like he was excited yeah. to meet somebody there who wasn't part of the cult. Yeah, and he cracks a weird joke. He's like, "Oh, I'm not hitting on you. I'm just, you know, like you, you seem like a decent person, unlike everyone else here." Um, but we find out that she's looking for a husband who's been missing, but she's not even sure how long she's been here. Um, mm-hmm. And. It, it does beg the question, you know, has she been here since before the loop? Probably not, because it's been a 10-year loop, so she's probably only been here since... 
you know, sometime within this 10 years. Yeah, I guess we don't know. Or we don't, we don't know. Um, because her husband is in a loop and he's in a much shorter loop. And I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it could have been. It could be longer than I the 10 years. I don't think as I don't get the impression she knows what's going to happen. But loop. she seems to be trapped. Is she also. trapped? I guess she's trapped. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I, I was kind of thinking, like, you know, the way she talks to, to Aaron about, or uh, talks to Justin about everything. I keep mixing their names up, goddammit. Do you know what it is? It's because Aaron's name is first in the credits, and I feel like Justin should be first, but that's. <laughs> because he. Yeah, Justin's more the lead, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Justin like talks to her the way, the way she talks back to him she never really like you, you feel like she'd warn him or she would say something like hey like you know like, I get why all the people in the cult are being kind of like vague about it because they want it to be like this thing that you accept and like come willingly to but mm-hmm. I feel like she would be more inclined to just be like hey this place is crazy and you'll be trapped here so go uh, yeah. as it turns out shitty Carl's the only one that kind of tries to warn anyone but you know whatever <laughs> you know whatever um so yeah so he ends up at the house and we find out that this mate character is actually the husband that she's been looking for and he is in a week-long loop yeah they, they mentioned that they're in a seven-day loop and this is actually the two main characters from the other film oh okay from resolution uh the whole movie's about them uh, and about them uh, they're in the house. He's trying to get Chris clean because he's a junkie. Which, by the way, I actually really like the actor playing Chris. I thought he had a very interesting demeanor for a guy who's like you know chained to like a like a pipe, uh, trying to like get off crack. I I loved how when he, uh, Justin comes in the room, uh, the house is like, hey, I'm looking for whatever. He's like, hey, uh, before we get into that, uh, do you have any crack on you? And it's, it's very casual. He doesn't even he doesn't even sound that desperate. He sounds like a, it's a really casual question. It's almost like saying, "Do you have any gum on you?" He's like, "You got any crack on you?" Like, uh, on me? No. Like, well, anything else? Any, any, any other drugs? Oh, no, no, ain't done. Uh, so what were you here for? <laughs> like, it's very. It's like he's not even mad at him when he says no. He's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is apparently what the movie's about. Uh, the first movie is about these two characters and. Uh, there's like a presence outside the house that they're scared of that attacks them, which I assume is the entity of huh. of this this place, or or the very least. It's, so it's, is the whole movie about this week long? Presumably, thing the, pre- he's chained up. I think it's like a detox, right? Yeah, I I don't, I don't know if it's like the first loop where they're not trapped yet, or if they're trapped and like this is like an earlier loop, but obviously before this one. Man, what a week to have repeated the week where you're detoxing from crack <laughs> i know um, and we see the loop start again we see him kind of like because they, they, they give uh uh justin what he's there for and he says goodbye and he kind of understands things a little bit better and he says something that lets us know that, that he's the husband of the, the woman that we've been seeing and mm-hmm. we see him like set himself on fire as well as chris like he sets the whole house on fire and then we see the loop reset and he's like sort of like coming up to the house and and uh, Chris has got a gun and he's on the porch and he's shooting and so it's, it's almost like this like, thing where he almost shoots Mike not realising who he is which I assume is in the other movie I assume that's something that's in the other movie that's maybe how it starts mm-hmm. or is near the start um, but uh, intriguing I have to I actually almost kind of wish we watched the other movie first uh, just because I, this I, would probably pay off a lot more it would pay off a lot more but I, I kind of like the idea of it like being so narrow and then you watch this movie and you, the mythology expands 
mm, because it yeah. interests all this other stuff. Um, but well, but it is sci-fi though, so we'll do it at some point. Uh, I'd yeah, be... I mean, I'm, we, I don't think we knew that it was a sequel. No, no, and again, it's not really a sequel. It's more like a in the same world kind of yeah. piece. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah, the, their cameo in the first movie, they they come to them and like you know give them leaflets about the cult and say, hey. <laughs> right yeah yeah so that's kind of neat there's a neat little connection is is i think in the interview i read about it when we were talking about it uh they said they've got the cheapest shared universe in movie history <laughs> is it that's funny so the, the cheapest cinematic universe that's kind of funny <laughs> um Mar- marvel's you know billions and billions of dollars yeah we, we did a movie for 20 grand and then whatever this yeah. one cost now they got anthony mackie maybe it's the same universe there too <gasps> yeah maybe it'll turn to marvel this is actually like the next villain <laughs> that'd be funny the next avengers villain is going to be this entity that's doing all this shit um, I, think, I just think it's funny if Anthony Mackie's in both the most expensive and the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Aaron goes looking for Justin, um, and there's a great moment where he leaves the bubble, and we see that they actually can't see each other now because he's a, he's on the outside of the bubble now, and Anna's on the inside, and they can't see each other. So there's this great shot right. where, where we can see both of them. Um, we, all, we, all, we get shots from both of our perspectives where you can't see the other one, but we get a nice shot where we see both of them on either side of the bubble. Mm-hmm. But they clearly can't see each other. So it's, nice, it's a nice visual touch. I think, you know, we're actually kind of talking about a lot of good scenes or a lot of good ideas in this. And it doesn't sound like it really describes the movie we were saying earlier on. It's a bit just okay overall. But it's because... Yeah. But it, but it is. Like, there's yeah. still... There, there's a lot to like in the in the film. And I think maybe if it was just a bit tighter... Tighter and, script. Tighter script. That's all it needs. Yeah. It would have been better, and maybe it. I mean, not all the acting was bad, but I, some of the acting was okay. Um, mm. But you know, I am excited to see what their next project is. Yeah, um, I'd recommend checking out Spring because I I did kind of like that. Uh, you can definitely tell it's from the same people. It's got a similar kind of like ethereal tone on top of like a weird twist on a supernatural thing. Um, yeah. So, and I love a good ethereal tone. Um, but I will say, I, I do think, like, because I, when I read uh, the interview about this or the, one of the reviews I read, because uh, after, after I watched it, I just I wanted to know about the other movie and how it connected. And mm-hmm. when I searched for it, it was like this interview with the directors. Uh, and the, the opening mentioned, um, you know, it succeeds where another another Earth failed. And I was like, no, I like that movie. <laughs> um, so I, I think oh. that type of ethereal works, I seen it. works better for me. Uh, but Brett Marling's definitely an acquired taste, though. Like not every, she's very lover hate uh, in terms mm. of in terms of her writing. But um, so Justin goes looking for Aaron, or Aaron goes looking for Justin rather, and they end up meeting at this uh, this camper, uh, this RV, and they kind of reunite. And this is where we have the whole sleeping together joke uh, soon after and whatnot but there's this really great moment where when they leave this this camper um the the camera sort of like pans over after they've left to this uh projector that starts projecting the same shot we started on and then inside the shot that we started on on the projection it pans over and sees a projector and it's this endless you know mm-hmm. thing um so it's, it's a nice visual representation of the the whole the whole movie um, yeah, and this is this is the part I think where um, when they meet up again, mm. where Aaron has the line of like, you know, what difference does it make if we are in a loop here versus in a loop 
outside of here. At least here we know we'd be happy. And outside we know we have to struggle and our lives are terrible. And it does kind of remind me of like, yeah, I guess my job, or not my job, but my previous job, I kind of had that mentality of feel like I'm stuck in a loop, <laughs> but I'm stuck yeah. in a shitty loop. <laughs> yeah. A job that I don't enjoy. And yeah, it makes a good point. And it's a point about, and so does, you know, Justin saying like, but what are you sacrificing? Like, yeah, your life might suck, but it might be great. You might be missing out on a lot more. Yeah, and, the, the message in it at this you know, point. What's the cost of immortality here? Yeah, the, I mean, forgetting the immortality because that's like supernatural. But the, the the message in here is, you know, I think it's a pretty clear kind of sentiment that it's trying to get across to people is that, yeah. like, yeah, you can retreat to the safe loop, the safe place where you're kind of trapped by your it's almost like back to like we were talking about this in watchmen about nostalgia being toxic but and it's not quite that but like this idea of like accepting this safe loop means is means locking yourself off in the possibility of anything much like tower's cat just is locking itself in the possibility of, of happy painless uh days um, so but you know yep. um and yeah, it's harder in the real world, and it is, and it is. And I think it ties into these characters who had these really weird childhoods where they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. learn to interact with the world properly. Um, right. And it, I think it goes into the idea that because they've not really made peace with each other, they can't really move on in the real world outside of mm-hmm. each other. You know, they, they have to kind of come to terms with each other first before they can have rich, full lives um, with everyone else and with everything else in the real world. Um, and that's what the movie is ultimately about. You know, when they get back to the camp... And, you know, we, we cut back occasionally and we see the rest of the camp kind of go out and form a circle. They have, like, a Last Supper. Um, the big bearded guy unlocks this. There's a little hut that we've been seeing the whole movie that's got this big padlock on it. And he unlocks mm-hmm. that before he goes off with the others. And they all go and form a circle around the campfire and they all disappear. Their clothes are left behind. It's, you know, this thing in the sky is taking them all away. And it's, we're left with just the two brothers and they go into the, this, this cabin and there's footage just countless like you know film reels and vhs tapes and betamax of all these things and it's all this footage of them since they've been here it shows them the magic trick with the baseball but from the perspective of the sky where clearly this entity holds it up in the sky and then drops it eventually and other moments that we saw throughout the film and you know Aaron still wants to stay and they go to the campfire where everyone disappeared and they're sort of debating and then you know Justin sits down and says all right fine if you're staying I'd feel too guilty if I left without you so I'm going to stay too because I can't leave you alone because you know we're brothers and Aaron's like wait you're respecting my decision to stay here he's like I mean I hadn't really thought of it that way but (laughs) I guess yeah (laughs) kind of he's like okay we can go then he's like wait wait, what he's like well all i really wanted was for you to like actually treat me like an equal and you know respect my decisions and like (laughs) um and of course as they're saying this the entire like bubble or the entire area even all the bubbles start to like Mm -hmm. almost digitally corrupt and like there's like this vortex in the middle and they have to run so they actually they're actually racing against the the clock and they're pushing the, the, the the car so they can get it running and leave the 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 big bubble that all these little bubbles are in Mm-hmm. so it's this race against time um and the the drive and it, it does this i actually thought it was going to cut to the credits because they're, they're kind of like arguing and uh, aaron insists that he drives and just like oh, fine you can drive and they switch sides and they're pushing the car and they're jumping in and it sort of hits the edge of the bubble and it's almost like it's going to be a car crash but we don't, it cuts to black before we see it so we don't actually and i thought it was going to be ambiguous 
and cut to credits. I thought it was too. Yeah. Um, instead, though, we do see that they're okay afterwards. Um, although I, I almost, I read like a, in in the article, one of the questions they asked them is that apparently there's like, there's like a fan theory online that this them like going through the bubble is the car that hit their parents or caused the the crash that killed their parents. Uh, when they were kids, and the director says, "Nah, I never really thought of that, <laughs> that but it's a good theory." Yeah. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, but yeah, okay, it's a nice idea. All right, you know, whatever. Yeah, I uh, guess uh, they would have to time travel inside the loop first. I, I which guess would mean they would be stuck in the t- bubble, though. I guess that the whole the whole bubbles l- looping or so. I don't know. I, I mean, again, it's not what they actually intended, so it, it doesn't work, but. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see why people maybe thought of it and went, "Hey, that's a cool idea. Maybe that'd be something." Yeah, it's cutesy. Um, <laughs> but you know, there is one scene where we see all the people are back at the camp and they're all happy and they're back and all healthy. Mm-hmm. And the brothers ride off, and that's the movie, basically. Yep. So, um, they 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 overcome it, and the movie's about their relationship. It's about them. Um, and it's, it's kind of hopeful. It's a hopeful ending where they do actually overcome their past. Because that's the thing. They're literally running from their past to escape into yeah. the future. And it's almost like their entire life, they have been defined by the fact that they were in this cult. They were defined that they were raised there and that they can't escape well, Yeah, it. I mean, Aaron definitely gets his closure yeah. that he was he was in desperate need of because he didn't really choose to leave he just followed his brother but, even, but now even, he has to choose but, to leave but even Justin because of the way their relationship was with each other they they both had to go through this they both had to mm-hmm. leave their past behind and they couldn't do that until they both understood it and accepted what it was and, and moved you, on do you think there's any significance to like the old videotapes that they use or the, the style that they use for communicating like the 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 entity whatever it is chooses to communicate through old technology or is it just that that was the technology that was brought in um if i was to hazard a guess i would say that the reason why there's a variety of it uh, is because no matter we don't see any discs so maybe like yeah there's like nothing well, new. yeah and even aaron's like cell phone is an old flip phone so this might not be 20 2019 or 2017, you mean? 2017, okay. yeah. This might be 10 years ago. Um, True, but I I think if I was to hazard a guess, I'd say the reason why there's such a variety is because as more people come to the loops and get stuck in them, there's like a more mm-hmm. variety of technology that's left there. Now, why does the entity like use these specifically? Because um, it's cooler. It feels weirder and more mysterious, <laughs> is my Maybe answer. Maybe it's just very hipster. It's, it's very <laughs> hipster, yes. They're all into the VHS and Betamax. Um. We don't use digital here. <laughs> yes, but I, I think the whole theme of like uh, recording things and showing it to people again it ties into the idea of uh, it's all been about their past and like obsessing over the mm-hmm. past and the memories, and like I think you know I said earlier on that nostalgia is toxic and I think there's an element of that in there, but I don't think it's necessarily always nostalgia in this case. It's also just being trapped by your own your 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 darker memories, your 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 tragic past, mm-hmm. you know, and not being able to escape that. Uh, and so the movie's about them escaping uh, and to escape it they have to see eye to eye they have to actually you know be equals to each other and mm-hmm. not only does Aaron have to learn all the lies he was told but Justin has to also learn the you know the mistakes that he made and the lies that he said even though it did technically save him and his brother because they'd be trapped in the loop if he didn't but mm-hmm. you know um, yeah that's the end of the movie 
And, you know, I think it's a solid effort. I think it's, you know, it's got a lot of great ideas in it. As much as it does need a bit of tightening and it is, you know, a little bit uh, stretched out in places. Uh, it's, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, uh, I think it's worth checking out. Um, I think it is a bit, is a bit slow and I think, it, I think it is just a bit too long. It's got a lot of, it's got a lot of ideas. Not all of them, I think, are executed very well, but, um, there's two different movies. Like, I, I feel like there's a good movie here about two brothers like dealing with their past, and then there's mm-hmm. a good movie about the sci-fi bubbles and <laughs> like all that stuff. Like I think there's two good movies that are kind of smashed together. Yeah, I think the cult stuff doesn't go quite far enough. <laughs> mm. I want it to be more culty, unless we, you know, all wear flannel and drink beer and. Yeah, actually, there was one know. thing we didn't really mention <laughs> is that there's a running theme throughout the movie that different members of the cult kind of try to explain it in different ways like they try to like uh hal has like a, a mathematical formula that he thinks explains what this thing is and he's not quite figured it out yet so he sees mm-hmm. it as like a science problem and then someone else like is drawing these like pictures of a demon and they sort of interpret it that way so they kind of set up this idea and it, it kind of goes along with the different monoliths that they find as they're wandering through the, the various you know timelines i'll call them um mm-hmm. is that over the years different people have interpret it as different things um, and maybe that ties into just the idea of religion itself is the idea that people don't know what to think of something so they right yeah apply th- and you try know, to an image translate to what they don't understand yeah. as to like this is clearly what it means there's a really great rick and morty episode about it i'm sure everybody listening has seen it sure because <laughs> <laughs> um, even uh, mike and chris like he finds hard drives and they're like oh this will be the answer we'll find something on mm-hmm. here um yeah, but it's just more more questions, and then their their leader or whatever you want to call him um, says, "I think it it's trying to say that you guys are forgiven, like it's it's about forgiveness." But he's still trying to translate something he doesn't really know the answer to. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I feel like there's two good movies in here that don't quite mesh together, and like you say, it's a bit too long, it's a bit slow in places, and it's a bit tightening. But I think if nothing else, you could admire the the workmanship you can <laughs> you can admire the effort that went into you can admire the two-man job it essentially was for the most part um and yeah, yeah i'm glad people are giving these guys a movie like like uh make something with a budget here you go uh, let's see what you can do and i agree give these guys give these guys uh a, a chance to work with anthony mackie <laughs> let's see what they can do are you done kitty uh, oh, uh, Tara, what was your aha moment? Oh, it was the brother talking about how his life was in a loop. Ah, okay. Yes. Real yes. life is a loop anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my aha moment. Yes. We're all in loops. We just uh, get to t- hopefully pick a better loop. Yes. Make our loop better. Yes. Good advice for all. Uh, I guess we're at the point of the show where we're going to rate rate the rate the movie so tara what are you rating the endless and yeah actually, i know he thought i wasn't fact, very hot on the movie and i think i've uh i want to actually tara score. before you finish this thought i want to congratulate you because oh, you've what? said you've said multiple times throughout this review that you thought it was a bit slow and a bit boring in places and at no point did you crack a pun about it feeling endless so i want to congratulate you for that 
I'm I'm just going to rate the movie and ignore <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So as I was saying, <laughs> I think my my score has increased just from talking about it because there is a lot of great ideas in here, and I think uh, it is. You know, for what it is, I think it's pretty well done. I think they did the best they could have done. Um, and within the constraints that they had for filmmaking. And, uh, you know, I do admire. I admire the effort and um, admire the movie. And I, I am looking forward to the next movie that they do. Um, but it's still not the not the easiest movie to watch <laughs> all the way through in one sitting. Um and there is something about it that's that doesn't quite work. Um, and for that reason, I, I'm going to give it a six. I think it's a sixer. Okay. I think that's mm -hmm. fair. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go with a seven. I think, uh, I think it's worth watching. I think it has a lot of interest and ideas. And if nothing else, I think you have to appreciate the just the 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 ambition of everything that's going on here uh, and knowing mm -hmm. how to make it work as well as they can on, on the budget they have. I think just having a tighter script is all they really need. And like, you know, this was a far more interesting watch for me than the vast majority of the mainstream stuff I've seen in the theaters this year. You know, like I, I this is far more interesting to me than, I don't know, what, what movie will I, will I pick on? Uh, <laughs> what did I see this year that I'll throw under the bus? Um, Terminator? <laughs> Sure, yeah. I mean, Terminator Dark Fate, this is a more interesting film that has more to say than Terminator Dark Fate. Mm -hmm. And it's born out of ideas rather than out of, you know, we need to, we want to make a sequel and get a franchise going again. <laughs> That's true. It is something new and I, I do appreciate new. Yeah. Um, or even just looking at, you know, like, oh God. I, I don't want to necessarily throw out the Marvel movies from this year under the bus, but like, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of Marvel movies that are less interested in this movie, or even like go go to DC Aquaman. Like this was a better movie and far more interesting movie than Aquaman was. Yeah, uh, there's no way Aquaman is close to a six on my scale. <laughs> I can't remember what Talk I can... about slog to get through. Ugh. <laughs> I may have given that a six at the time when I reviewed it, but I definitely have went down by now. <laughs> I don't like that movie. It all. was a, it was a generous six because it wasn't terrible. <laughs> Because it wasn't Batman v Superman, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that'll do that sometimes. Yeah, uh, Batman v Superman really like curved the scale for the next couple of years when it came to DC movies. <laughs> I think even Justice League, I was like, oh, like a five point five, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate Justice League. Yeah, it's a bit, I mean, it's a mess, but it's uh, you can at least see the attempt to try and fix it. You know. Are you gonna watch the Snyder cut? <laughs> If it ever happens, I will watch it just to tear it apart, just so that I can make all the Snyder cut people sad. See, you asked for it, and it's garbage. It's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so seven out of ten for me. Uh, Endless is an interesting little film, and I appreciate it for what it is, even if it's not necessarily the best execution of it, or even if it's not like great. Um. But yeah, I do love it when they do hit that in the mark. When you get a nice little indie gem, that just blows me away. And I have one on the schedule uh, that we'll do in January that I love. And you already know away. that it's good? Yeah, and I added it because I want you to see it. I want you to watch it. So now admittedly, we're going to do our top 25 sci-fi movies of the decade um, before we get to it, which is a shame. So you won't be able to have it on your list. But 
uh, assuming it would make it. Because I mean, you may not. Maybe you'll feel differently. But what movie is it? I'm not going to tell you. I want to be surprised. I'll tell Fine. you off air, but I, I don't want uh, the audience to know what I'm talking about. Because, like I said, we're going to do our top 25 sci-fi of the decade, and we're doing that at the end of December. And I don't want to spoil what's going to be on my list at this juncture. Okay. But that's what we're doing. We're going to make our own top 25 lists of the decade, mm-hmm. and we're going to reveal them. So that'll be fun. I guess I have homework. You do have homework. <laughs> Uh, so yeah but that is us that has been episode I think it's like 38 of uh, the Atomic Serum <laughs> Experiment uh, so thank you very much for joining us uh, you can of course let us know what you think of The Endless in the comments below on YouTube you can like and subscribe ding the bell that helps us out a lot it helps you get notifications uh, so you can do that uh, all, all of that interaction does help us a lot as does rating the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts give us five stars yes Tara what's coming up next week What's coming up next week? That's a good question. Uh, I can tell you, I remember it. Uh, it's an all time travel movie. We're going back to time. And actually, you know what? Endless kind of has a little bit of time travel in it. A little bit. A little bit. The, yeah. the looping is kind of time travel in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, but because uh, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, does Edge of Tomorrow count? Should we do that for the time travel? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I mean, I guess aliens, yeah. I guess. Groundhog Day style doesn't count. So I guess Endless doesn't count. Yeah, but Edge of Tomorrow is definitely sci-fi. There's no doubt debating oh, yeah. that. But oh, we'll definitely do it. <laughs> but is it time travel sci-fi? Mm. I don't know. Maybe if uh, people listening want to answer. Yeah, I, I think my <laughs> logic. I think my logic is what you just said there. My logic is is if I wouldn't call Groundhog Day sci-fi, then I can't say that uh, Edge of Tomorrow is time travel. Hmm. Because if, if Groundhog Day was time travel, then it would be sci-fi. Yeah. So that's my logic. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's coming up next time in our time travel movie. We're doing Predestination, which is an Ethan Hawke movie uh, from, I think it's 2014. I have seen it before. Um, I am curious. <laughs> I, do you know what? Oh, is this the one going to be on your list? No, no. Oh, I mean, it may be. It's not what I was <laughs> talking about before, but it may, it may, maybe we'll see. We'll see what I feel about it next week. But I will say this, I am looking forward to uh, asking Tara next week what her aha moment is. Because <laughs> it's definitely different for everyone who watches this movie when they realize something. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, finding out your okay. aha moment. Well, that's so, exciting. So yeah, uh, so predestination is next week. Um, obviously, you can uh, support us by rating the podcast, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and uh, more people will find us that way. And of course, we mentioned Patreon earlier. Patreon.com slash TV if you want to support us financially. Every dollar matters. It helps us keep creating content. So, uh, and we are low budget. We're even lower budget than these guys. So go and, uh, <laughs> go, go and support us. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, you can check out all the content we have and that we create. Um, you know, me and Tara do Twilight Zone reviews every week. So if you like us talking about sci-fi movies, maybe you like us talking about Twilight Zone uh, every week. So you can check out that. Tara, why don't you promote something else that we do that you're not on? You can watch the uh, comics from the multiverse. Um, I've never watched it, but I hear it's good. <laughs> um. Yes, yeah, so we review DC Comics every week. So, <laughs> yes. So, you showing up in my feed, so somebody must be watching it. Do you know, it's funny, like, I, I feel like um, 
if someone hears my thoughts on the DC movies, like, and they don't know I do a DC Comics podcast, they must assume, oh, he's such a Marvel guy. Oh, he's a Marvel fanboy. Eh, I just hate DC. I'm like, no, I literally have a DC Comics podcast that I host. Like, I, I, I love DC. My comp- I, I hate those movies because I love DC, because I love those characters, and because they mm-hmm. bastardize them. Anyway. The same reason I hate the newest uh, version of Les Mis that was in theaters. Like, I love that stuff. And I hate this. This movie is terrible. It's a garbage movie. There you go doesn't deserve the praise that it gets. Yes, but did that have a jar of piss in it? I only saw it once, but I don't think so. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So, yeah, that is, uh, that is us then. So, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching sci-fi movies, guys. And computer, that's Elsa. Yum, yum.